Thank you for listening to this podcast from Monclova Road Baptist Church. For more information about this message and the ministries of Monclova Road Baptist Church, please visit monclovabaptist.org. In Luke chapter number 11 and verse number 29, ancient Israel, they wanted Jesus to do something sensational to prove that he was the son of God. When Jesus came, he came to this world and those around Israel, they thought he was coming and maybe some thought he was going to start a revolution against Rome. And they wanted a sign. They wanted him to prove who he was. Jesus is saying in this passage, you're seeking for a sign. And he says this, I'll give you a sign. I want everyone to understand. I want everyone to know. I'll give you this sign. That sign is this. I am that sign. I am the son of God. I am the one that has came to seek and to save that which was lost. I am the one that has come to give life and to give it more abundant. I am the one that has come that will die on the cross and be the payment for your sin. Jesus was saying here in this passage, I am that sign. I'm the one that you seek. I'm the one that you look for. I'm he. The people of Jonah's day, they listened to the message of God. Jonah was a prophet in the Old Testament. There's a book called Jonah that you could find, and I encourage you, if you've never read that book, just go read that short book in the Old Testament, and you would find that God was seeking to save that generation there in Nineveh. God saw the sin of Nineveh, and God said, I'm going to give Nineveh a second chance. I'm going to send a prophet. I'm going to send a preacher, and I'm going to send him, and he's going to preach the judgment of God, and he's going to preach that they can turn back to God. And we find this, the Bible says, all of Nineveh heard what was preached and they repented of their sins. God sent Jonah. Nineveh repented. He said this, that they're going to rise up at the judgment day against the people of Jesus' day because the people of Jesus' day rejected him. He said, you're looking for a sign. Jonah was assigned to those in Nineveh. He came preaching. He came proclaiming the judgment of God. And they repented. And Jesus is saying, now I've come and you've rejected me. The one that Jonah preached about has now come. The one that Israel was longing for has now come. The one that they wanted to come, he's now there. And since he's there, they're rejecting what he came for and rejecting himself. He says, you've looked for a sign. He said this, you're blind and you cannot see the truth. He said, you're deaf and you cannot hear the truth. The truth was sitting right before them. The truth was Jesus Christ. He's there. He's proclaiming the kingdom of heaven. He didn't come to Israel to start a revolution. He didn't come to Israel to lead them out of Roman bondage. He came to Israel. He came to seek and to save. He came to die so they could be reconciled back to God. He said, I'm the truth. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. You look for a sign. There's no need to look any further. The sign has come. The sign is Jesus Christ. This morning, you're confronted with the gospel. And my question to you will be this this morning. What? will you do with the gospel? 
What will you do? Jesus has come. The Bible says this, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You could take your name and put your name right there for God so loved whatever your name may be, Steve, whatever your name is. God so loved John. God so loved Sally. God so loved uh, uh, Steve or, or Sarah. Whatever your name is, put it right there for God so loved you. The Bible says that he gave his only begotten son. God loved you so much. Back in the Garden of Eden, when mankind sinned, there was a separation there. Man began to die. Man could not be in God's presence for all of eternity because God is a holy God and God is a just God and God cannot allow sin into his presence. And because of that, mankind has to pay for their own sin debt. And there's nothing you can do to, to merit salvation. There's not enough good works. There's not enough religion. There's not enough money you could give. And so you'd be left, if having to pay for your own sin debt, you would be left empty. But God looked down in His grace and in His mercy, knowing that there's nothing you could do to merit salvation on your own. And God said, I'm going to send my Son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to send that one. The people of Israel, or Jonah's day, they humbled themselves. They were living in sin. The people of Jonah's day were living a life without God. The people of Jonah's day was living a life where they lived for themselves and they lived for their flesh. Life was about them. They chose to do whatever they wanted to do. They were sinning in the eyes of God and they were enjoying the sin that they were living in. And God, in his mercy and God, in his grace, he said, I'm not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He sent a preacher and that preacher began to preach the judgment of God and an entire city turned from their sin and turned to God. The question I ask you today, is what will you do with the gospel? What will you do? Is Jesus just a revolutionary hero? Or is Jesus something more? I submit to you today that Jesus is greater. He lived only 33 years on this earth. It's said that he's never traveled. He never traveled more than 100 miles at a time. He never heard, uh, never had a, a formal education. Yet 2,000 years later, we are still preaching and still teaching that Jesus Christ is the answer to all mankind's problems. That Jesus Christ is the answer that mankind is looking for. What will you do with the gospel? Will you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached and rejected? Will you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached and accept that payment for your sin? Maybe you say, I'm here and I've trusted Christ. Then will you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached and commit that I'm going to take that gospel message and share it with a world that needs Jesus Christ? I was in the hospital last evening. We were there late in the emergency room with Don and his family. And boy, those that were coming in, those that were there in that emergency room, as I just thought about the, they're there because something is wrong. 
No one just goes to the emergency room because they had nothing else to do that day. They're there because something wrong is happening in their life. I told my wife this. We were talking there to Don and talking about my son wanting to get into uh, the medical field. And I said, boy, I don't know if I could deal with people dying every day. Dying not knowing where they're going to spend eternity. Dying and going out in eternity not knowing where they're going to open their eyes. I want to ask you this morning, what will you do with the gospel? The time for you to decide is today. We're not guaranteed a tomorrow. We're not guaranteed this afternoon. Maybe you're here today and you say, that's something I'm going to decide when I'm older in life. That's something I'm going to decide later, later into the future. It was just a couple weeks ago, I got a phone call on a Sunday afternoon and my wife called Angela Sleesher and said, what's happening in your family? And she said, my son was in a, an accident, an ATV accident. Well, as soon as we heard that they had the life flight him into Grand Rapids Hospital, as soon as we heard that, we got into the car and we started driving toward Grand Rapids. We didn't know what the, what the problem was. All I kept thinking to myself is here, here's a young boy, a young teenage boy off with his grandfather and his fa father. Their time was to enjoy themselves. They were thinking about a wonderful time away. They were thinking about all the fun they were going to have. They never thought... They'd spend an evening in the hospital. We rushed up to the hospital and got inside and Jason came out of the room there and Jason was in tears. And We praise the Lord that Ethan is fine and we praise the Lord that God protected him. But I could tell on Jason's face, I could tell by the tears in his eyes. We began to talk. He realized how brief life can be here upon this earth. He said to watch your son head on with another ATV to rip him off that bike, hit him so hard to rip that helmet off of his head. Walk over and your son be lifeless there on the ground. Praying. Life is short. Life is short. Family member in our church. I was at the bank and began to talk with her. I could tell she was having a, a bad day. And so I stood there for a few moments and I said, what's wrong? And she said, you haven't heard? I said, no, what's wrong? She said, my son was driving last night and or, or uh, two days ago and my son was driving and uh, a lady hit, blew through a stop sign and, and he hit her, T-boned her and, and she wasn't wearing her seatbelt and she flew out of the vehicle and they had to life flight him and her to the hospital and he's been overnight in the hospital. He's going to be okay with the woman that was hit in the car. She's dead. 52 years old. She thought on that 3.30 or so on that afternoon, she thought she was going to do it every other day she was going to do. She was going to go home. She was going to live her life. But in a moment, her life is gone. Her life is gone. 
Michelle and I were in the living room of a family member, a uh, former church member here this past week, sitting on their sofa, mom's in tears. They're 11 year old. The cancer is back. And they said, this time it's probably worse. This time, it might take his life. She was there on the sofa, just tears. She said, 11 years old, we haven't had him long enough. He battled cancer before, and he, he was in remission, and everything was supposed to be fine, and went back for a test and found there was a spot left uh, uh, that, that uh, uh, has developed and is growing. She said, we don't know now. It's aggressive and we're not sure what's going to happen. Eleven years old. Life is just like this. I remember. I remember when 50 seemed old. And if you were in your 60s, wow. In 70s? You were coming, you were there when the ark was built, right? <laughs> and now, it seems so young. Never forget that afternoon, Sunday afternoon. I was sitting on the platform at our church, and someone motioned me from the back of the auditorium. I came back and they said, your wife needs you in the nursery. I walked in that nursery. My wife is in tears. I thought something happened to one of our children. She said, he's dead. He's dead. I said, what do you mean he's dead? Who? She said, your dad. He's dead. 55 years old. I've told you many a times, I remember getting that phone call from Michelle's father and saying this, Brian is dead. I said, what do you mean Brian's dead? He said, Brian is dead, 32 years old. Stepped out into eternity. Oh, listen to me, death can come at any age. Death can come to a, a, a sick baby. Death can come to an 11-year-old boy. Death can come to a 25-year-old woman. Death can come to a 32-year-old man. Death can come to a 55-year-old man. Death, death can come and death one day will come. And you're not guaranteed tomorrow. What will you do with the gospel? What will you do with the gospel today? I want you to turn with me, if you would, please, to the book of Luke, chapter number 16. You're in Luke. Just turn a few pages over. Luke chapter 16, Jesus said in John 14, 6, the gospel of John, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's pretty clear. I don't think you can mix those words. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I am one of the ways. He didn't say, I'm one of many ways. He said, I am the way. There's one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. If there was another way, then Jesus would not have had to come and shed his blood upon the cross. The church is not the way to heaven. 
Joining this church or joining any church is not the way to heaven. I don't care what you put in the offering plate. It doesn't get you to heaven. It doesn't matter if you've been baptized in this tank or in another tank. It doesn't matter how many times you've been baptized. What gets a person to heaven is confessing their sin and putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. There's no religion. There's no church. There's not enough good works. There's not enough money that can save a person. The only way a person can be born again is by trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single person here in this room is a sinner. Every single person. I walked into Churchill's last night. My wife, she uh, was at dinner with the cliques, and on the way home, we got into the parking lot or, or into our driveway, and she said, I need cream for coffee. I said, use milk. <laughs> I knew what that meant. You're going out to get cream. She said, I can't drink coffee without cream. I said, you're going to have to try. And she says, no, you don't understand. You're going to get cream. I said, I'm going to get cream. Yes, ma'am. And so we together, we went on a date to Churchill's right before they closed. And I walked into Churchill's, and I do this every time. I'm a thief. They put the grapes right in front as you walk in, and they open every single bag. I know why they do that. They do that so you could test which one you want. And so I just walked by. I grabbed a grape out of the bag, and I put it in my mouth, and my wife looked at me, and she said, you just stole that grape. I said, I did what? I said, I came here this late to get you cream, and you're going to get on me for taking a grape. She said, you just stole that grape. I said, well, they weigh me in the front. And whatever you eat in the store, when you weigh out, you get charged by the pound. And she said, there ain't no scale big enough for you. You just stole that grape. I'm walking through this store, and I'm saying, I just stole I'm a thief. He said, oh, it's just a little grape. Well, she got me convicted last night. And all night long, I thought, how am I going to pay for that grape? I'm a thief. You know, the reality is this. Every single person here in this room, you're a sinner. You've sinned. You've lied. You've stolen. But it doesn't matter what sin you have ever committed, Jesus Christ is sufficient payment for that sin. Jesus Christ, he came to this earth. Every single person is born a sinner, but Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for your sin debt. The Bible says this in Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Your wages, the wages of sin, your wages is death. You and I deserve death, eternity separated from God in the place the Bible calls hell. That's where you and I will spend eternity without salvation through Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can do to avoid that other than trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior. 
The wages of sin is death. But I'm so glad the Bible doesn't end there. The verse doesn't end there. He says, but the gift of God. What gift is that? That gift is Jesus Christ. God sent his son to this world to pay the sin that you've committed. I want you to see with me in Luke chapter number 16. Go with me to verse number 19 of this chapter. There was a certain rich man, Luke 16, 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid in his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked sores. And it came to pass. That day came. The day came that no one expects. But it came. That the beggar died and he was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died. The day came his money could not give him longer life. His money could not save him. He lifted up his eyes, the Bible says in verse 23, speaking of the rich man. He lifted up his eyes, being in torment, seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. I get chills every time I read this verse. When I was a young boy, we had a ladies' Bible study at church. A little girl by the name of Sarah Griffin is a pastor's, uh, one of the pastor's daughters. She was in first grade. I think I've told you this story. We were all downstairs in the fellowship hall area, and the table was set up, and they had those big urns of coffee, you know, those 150-gallon you know, coffee pots, you know, the worst coffee you can ever taste. <laughs> was sitting there on the table. What they didn't realize was this, that whoever set the table up didn't lock one of the table legs. The table had one leg locked, and the leg closest to the kitchen table was on a little bit of a slant. It wasn't locked. Not knowing that, kids were playing around that area. One of the, one of the kids that were there hit this table, and when they hit that table, that table collapsed and on that table, that big urn of coffee came sliding down the table and crashed into the floor. The place that table, that urn crashed was at the feet of little Sarah Griffin. And as that coffee urn hit that floor, that coffee came out and all over her legs from her knees down to her feet. Scolding hot coffee. I'll never forget the screams. I heard the screams. She yelled for her mother. She yelled so loud, Mama! She screamed over and over. The ladies up in the auditorium heard the scream and heard the commotion and come downstairs. And in the meantime, my sister, which is older than me, was there. And she picked little Sarah up and took her into the kitchen and put her into the sink. But not realizing, not realizing that she shouldn't have done this before they put the cold water on. She began to take her socks off and that ripped her skin off her feet. The screams from that little girl. For weeks after that, my sister would wake up in the middle of the night, have nightmares, waking up screaming. Just like now, there was a hush in our church for so long after that. That little girl burning 
screaming in pain. It seemed like she screamed forever and nobody could help her. Screams just kept coming and every child that was there at that Bible study just kind of sat there looking into the kitchen wondering what's going to happen. Screaming in pain. Oh, I wonder when I hear this verse read, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder that rich man, he wakes up. It's not just from his knees down. He wakes up. The Bible says he is in torment. He's in a place called hell in flames. He's burning his entire body and he's, and he's, he wakes up. He opens his eyes and he's in a place called hell. My heart aches for this man. I never read this without pausing right there and wondering what this must be like. You know what I find in verse number 23? The Bible says, In hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments and seeing Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. You know what this man realized? Hell is real. Hell is real. See, sometimes we live our life and sometimes in churches we don't hear that hell is real. Sometimes today in churches we hear a good news, we hear good things, we hear messages about itchy ears, but I want to submit to you today, hell is real. If you don't know Jesus Christ, it's where you'll spend eternity. How much do you have to hate someone to know the truth about hell and not tell them? I'd love to tell you this. I love every single person I've ever met, but that's not true. There's some people I just don't like. But there's some people I don't like, but you know what? I would never want them to spend eternity in a place called hell. How bad do you have to hate someone to know that hell is real and not warn them? Gospel Sunday, why would we have a Gospel Sunday? Because there are people every moment, every second of this world, every second in this generation, they're dying without Jesus Christ. And there's not a place called purgatory. You can't pray them out of, out of hell. You can't pray them out of purgatory. Purgatory is not real. You either die and you open your eyes in heaven, or you die and you open your eyes in hell. And once you're there, your eternity is sealed. There's no way out. Church, we must wake up. We must see the urgency. We live our lives and we spend our finances and we, and we get frustrated and consumed with the things of this world. But I tell you this, as we're consumed, as we live frustrated, as we complain, as we get our eyes focused on ourselves, there's a world dying without, without Jesus dying and spending an eternity in a devil's hell. This man learned, according to verse number 23, that hell is real. This man learned, according to verse 26, and beside all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Verse 26 tells us this, hell is forever. It's forever. Verse number 28 tells us this, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. I was just witnessing with a fella just last week, I believe it was. 
Me and another fellow were telling someone about Christ, and that person said to me, I want to go to hell because that's where all of my friends are going to be. That fellow I was witnessing with, I just looked at him. I said, you want to take it or you want me to? He said, you take it. I opened up the scripture and I showed him this. And I said, I'll tell you what, the people that are there are crying that the people they love not come here. It's not a party. It's not fun. It's torment. It's not a place where you want your brother and it's not a place where you want your friends. It's a place of torment. This man learned that hell is real. This man learned that hell is forever. And this man learned that hell is awful. He's crying out. He said, would someone tell? Oh, my question to you this morning is, what will you do with the gospel? If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, my prayer is this. Repent of your sins. Confess you're a sinner. By faith, accept the gift of the gospel, which is Jesus Christ, and receive eternal life today. If you are saved, what will you do with the gospel? I pray that you will be an ambassador for heaven. I pray that you'll tell someone each and every day that you'll have a burden in your heart, that you'll say, Lord, send me across the person closest to hell so I can be a witness to them today. But what will you do with the gospel?